This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Got your Bible, go to the book of Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27. And as you're turning there again, this is giving you an opportunity to give with our tithes and offerings. I, I, I really enjoy teaching on these things. Again, one of the reasons I do is because I see the truth of the Word of God, but I look at the significance of learning to do God's thing, even financially. It's been huge in me and Shelley's life. And so in this passage here, this is Proverbs 27, verse 20, it says, Hail or death and destruction are never full. So the eyes or the desires or the lust of man are never satisfied. So thou shalt not try to acquire happiness through material things. And again, what happens with every one of us is a thing I entitle money, money management misery. Have you ever had money management misery? I have. And what that means, I've gotten overextended. I've bought things that I didn't need to do because of the lust or the desires of my flesh that overrode those things. So one of the ways me and Shelley's life become balanced in this area is we begin to give. And so when you begin to come under the authority of Jesus as your financier, you got to become disciplined. And so you got to get your money in order. So there was a season in our life that we were so out of order financially. And many of you understand this. One of the greatest battles in marriage happens over finances. But we got into agreement on this. And, and so what that meant, there was a season in our life where we didn't go out and eat. We didn't do a lot of fun things because we knew we got to get in line with God's word. And something happened when that began to take place. And so one of the greatest things that you can learn to do is heed the, ver- the, the voice of God, the word of God, even in this area. I'm just telling you right now, God's word is true in this. God will do exactly what he says when, when we talk about giving our first fruits of our increase. Will I have to step out in faith? Yeah, it'll be a huge step of faith. But I'm telling you, God moves in this area. Almost mind-blowing what I've seen him do even in this time called the coronavirus. The faithfulness of God. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We honor you. We thank you again tonight for just your word on the area given. And Father God, you, you said there in Malachi 3 that for the tither, you would open the windows of heaven, pour out blessing on them, that there would be not room enough for them to receive. You would rebuke the devourer for their sake, and the fruit of the ground shall not return barren. And I thank you for that promise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're here again. Um, I, I'm going to start just a little. I'm going to get in. If you've got your Bible, go with me to the book of Romans chapter 10. I'll head there just in a little bit. I, I saw a statistic today that, that really moved me. And this statistic, they asked people, how many of you believe that there's a heaven? 75% of the people interviewed in this or polled said, I believe there's a heaven. But out of that same 75% that said they believe in heaven, only 25% of them said, we believe that there's a hell. And so it began to, to show me some things that 
we, we have this thought that everybody goes to heaven or everybody goes to a better place. That's, that's not true, okay? When we really believe the word of God, the only people that go to heaven are the ones that receive Jesus as Lord of their life. Good people don't go to heaven. Bad people don't go to heaven. Only born-again people go to heaven. So I begin to think on these lines, and, and if you were ever to go to the book of Revelations, you find out some words about hell that aren't pleasant. It said it's a place where it's, it's a continuous weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a, it's a place that the smell of sulfur never ends. But one of the greatest attributes of the ugliness of hell is that, that you are severed from the fellowship with God, not, not for the coronavirus, not for a few weeks or months, but for out eternity. And it highlighted in there that it's a place that you will never have relationship with other people. Now, I, I begin to think about this in this terms. Man, it was difficult for three months, even in the coronavirus. I, I miss seeing people. And I thought, man, that is the thing in, in hell that I, I don't want to experience, and I don't want people to experience that. And so I believe, even in saying that, there's becoming a, a boldness that's going to come on the church. Not, not ugly, not judgmental, just the love of God to say, man, God loves you. God loves you. And so, again, we are all on assignment. Now, that's not what I'm preaching. That was all free, okay? Bless you. Just some thoughts, some God thoughts that I have periodically. And I'll tell another story maybe some other time on what led that. A, a guy who died tragically here in the last couple of days, and it stirred me on these areas. All right. We're going to begin tonight in Romans 10. Romans 10. Go ahead and turn there. Uh, as you're turning there, the Lord Jesus said in Luke 8, 18, he said, take heed how you hear. Now, I'd be like Jesus walking in there and he's standing here and he looks at us and says, listen, take heed how you hear. The Passion Translation says, pay careful attention to your hearts as you hear my teaching. So I believe the Lord Jesus is saying this when it comes, uh, pay careful attention Heed to how you hear. Don't, don't allow the word of God just to go in this ear and out this ear. Man, I, I, I got to soak in the word of God. I, I got to let the word of God marinate in me. I got to let the word of God settle on the inside of me. Okay, so we have that thought there. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing. So then, faith comes by hearing. Now, if you notice on this, the Apostle Paul's writing, he doesn't say, this is the one of the ways faith comes. No, no, the only way he says faith comes is by hearing. Hearing what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, if you'll notice the procession, he says faith comes by hearing. It doesn't say faith comes by having heard. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. I got to continue to hear the word of God because that's the only way that faith will come. So I find in my life when I, I feel that my, my faith is, is weak or diminishing, you know what it's a sign of? You better get in the word. 
Now, when Paul says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, he didn't say who you had to hear it from. That's why there's times in your life, man, read the word of God out loud. Read it where you're hearing it. And just as a little thought for you, don't read the word of God for quantity. Read it for quality. How many of you have ever read the Bible and said, you know what, I read 10 chapters of the Proverbs today, and someone asks you, well, tell me about what you read. I don't know. I don't know. Pastor, you sound like you've been there. I have. And so I I like to digest the word of God. And so right here, he says that faith comes by hearing the word of God. When it's accepted reverently, sincerely. And so he gives us great insight here. I got to begin to stay with hearing the word of God because the word of God is a seed that grows within us. Now look with me in verse number eight. Same chapter. But what does it say? The word is near you, comma, pause. How is the word near me? In my mouth and within my heart. So in order to have faith, I've got to have God's word. But now he goes to another thing. He says that you've got to have faith. The word is near you in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. And so what happens here is, again, i, I got to get in the word. I got to get it into my heart. I got to get into my mouth. And so when you look at what Paul's talking about here, something happens when I get the word of God in my mouth. When I begin to speak it, when I begin to believe it, and I believe kind of the procession of this that takes place, I begin to hear it. And the more I begin to speak the word by hearing that, it creates faith. And, and so it's like a root that starts going down. Now, what I love about the Word of God, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. It doesn't matter if you got a third grade education. You start hearing the Word of God and you start speaking it, you'll start believing it. And so what it gets over on here is, is I, I've got to appropriate by heart belief and it's released by spoken confession. Again, who you are. And so when I speak it out of my mouth, it becomes a a public declaration. I am saying what the Word of God says. Now, the Old Testament reference of that, if you were to go to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 12, 13, and 14, you will see this almost identically. But when I look at what the Apostle Paul says, he highlights here. You got to get in the Word, and then you believe it with your heart, And you speak it with your mouth. The way we get born again is you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. The other means or the promises that are in the word of God, they come the exact same way. Exactly the same. Now I want you to go to the book of Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. And when you get here, you'll begin to see that this is a passage of Jesus' words himself. And it's almost exactly what the Apostle Paul was talking about there in Romans. Now what you're going to get tonight is you're going to get the foundations of faith, or better stated, this is faith 101. 
I began to get this 40 years ago. And still to this day, there, there is a review of, of many of these books and these scriptures that I go to throughout the year. That I begin to get a hold of this, to go back to my foundation. My foundation is what I'm built on. You can't add to a house until you have a foundation. So the quicker I get a hold of these foundational principles and I live by them, the better off that I am. And so in my life, almost 40 years ago, for an hour a day, five days a week, every day I would hear this. Open your Bible to Mark 11, 23. And right next door is Mark 11, 24. We're going to be in Mark 11. And so this was in me. And now I can tell you this right now. I, I thank God for the heritage that was put in me in this area. That I, throughout my life, this, this has been what we've relied on, on trusting God and his word. Mark 11, verse 12. Get your, get your Bible open there and get your pen ready, okay? The next day when they had come out from Bethany... Jesus was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. Here's your little side note. He noticed that it was a fig tree from afar off. So, I don't know, 15 months ago, I'm in Israel. We're in northern Israel. I'm north of the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias, right below Mount Hermon. Biblically, I was at a location called Caesarea Philippi. And so we're, we're walking toward this area that we were going to view and see some historic things that Jesus did there. And from a distance, I see this tree, and I said to our guide, I said, what kind of tree is that right there? And he goes... That's a fig tree. And when I saw that, I realized, that's how Jesus knew it. It was very apparent what it was once he told me. And so it says he sees it from, that has nothing to do with this passage, okay? So he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing for leaves, for it was not the season for figs. So why did he look for figs when it wasn't even the season for figs? Well, when you look and study the fig tree here, these trees, they would retain their leaves, and often underneath the leaves, they would usually have fig trees. But here's an interesting thing about a fig tree. The fig tree produces the fruit before it does the leaves. And so what happens, there would be fruit on there, and at times those leaves would kind of camouflage it. And so this is what Jesus knows. Verse 14, in response, Jesus said to it, now you may want to highlight that right there, okay? Jesus said to it, Jesus spoke to it. What was the it? It was the fig tree. Now, if we were to study Jesus' life, he did this over and over. He would always speak to objects. He would speak to things. He would even speak to people. Some of those references in Luke 8, he spoke to the sea. In, in Luke, no, 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 in Matthew 8, he spoke to the wind and the sea. Remember in Matthew 8, his disciples said, even the wind and the sea obey him. 
A good one is John 11. Now, this is a real good one. He spoke to a dead man, Lazarus. Now, what I begin to see in, in Luke 8, Matthew 8, John 11, and right here, Jesus always spoke the desired result. He spoke exactly how he wanted to receive it. So when you see what Jesus did with his speaking, he was very precise in this. When he went to Lazarus, he didn't say, Lazarus, thou stinketh. I hope this works. No, no, he was very precise. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And so he uses these, these speaking to the objects as a teaching method, I believe, for the disciples, but for us. So he says to the fig tree, let no one eat from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. And I believe they heard it because he wanted them to hear that. He did it purposefully to begin to teach them something. And you're going to see here in just a little bit how he uses these illustrations and these things in life to teach us. Verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. What did Jesus say to it? Let no one eat from you ever again. So they walk by and they see the, the fig tree dried up from the roots. Verse 21, and Peter remembering said to him, Rabbi, teacher, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Now, Peter used the word cursed. But Peter, when he said that, he was using that as a negative uh, a word there. wasn't. And, and Jesus, the, the tree you said, you blankety blank tree, that's not what he meant, Okay. But when he uses the word cursed there, he knew Jesus had spoken a negative statement to that tree. And he said, Lord, teacher, rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. The Greek says the God kind of faith. The passion says, let the faith of God be in you. So Jesus had already modeled and demonstrated to a degree that God, that God find a faith with the fig tree. But now, guys, he's, he's getting it to go into a further explanation. He's saying, you guys saw this, you witnessed this, but he's getting ready to go into huge measure and, and he speaks to them and he speaks to us. And what he's getting ready to say is, this is how the God kind of faith operates. And the reason he was highlighting them is because the scriptures are very clear. The just shall live by faith. The, the only way to please God is by faith. That's uh, Hebrews eleven six. 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. And so Jesus is saying, listen, boys, I'm going to help you today. You got to get it, okay? Get it. This is how the God kind of faith works. Verse 23. For surely I say to you, now he's getting personal. I say to you, I say to you, 
And then the next word, I'm reading out the New King James, he says, whoever, whoever, whoever will step out and begin to do this and believe this, I've got whoever in you, Mark, because that's me, that's you. And I thought, I'm a whoever, I've got to get this. And he says, whoever says to this mountain, whoever speaks to this mountain, now, you don't have to show hands right now. How many of you in here got some form of a mountain in your life right now? Some, some object, some hindrance, so, something that's trying to uh, uh, block you from the things of God. Probably every one of us got something. But it's interesting, the very first thing in the God kind of faith that Jesus says, he says, whoever will say to the mountain, whoever will speak to the mountain. So I like to say it this way. I'm either speaking to the mountain or the mountain's speaking to me. The mountain begins to dominate me. So he says, whoever says to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Does not doubt in his heart. Now, that word doubt means is not divided in his heart or undecided in his heart. Better stated, doubt is when I have conflict within myself in the sense of hesitating or I'm divided in my decision making. Have you ever been there? I've been there. I've been there where I've doubted. What keeps you from doubting, Pastor? The more I get into the Word of God, I feed my faith and I starve my doubts. Whoever, whoever, there's some that will just hunger for the Word of God. They'll get in the Word of God. They'll get in the Word of God. And does not doubt in his heart. Keep reading. But believes those things he says that he actually believes those things he says. He just doesn't say them, but he believes what he's saying. He will have whatever he says. This was Jesus' words. This is the God kind of faith. Three times in verse 23, he uses the word says. S-A-Y-S, says, 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 says. I I got to get that ingrained in me because Jesus is identifying You got to speak the desired result. I, I don't desire sickness or disease, so why do I speak it? I don't desire lack, so why do I speak it? I I don't uh, desire that my marriage be be sorry, so why do I speak it? So he comes to a place here. Jesus modeled it with the fig tree, but as man believes in the heart, and he begins to speak the words out of his mouth, this is the unalterable law of faith right here. Again, Jesus always spoke the desired result. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. What are you speaking? Ow. Do do you speak the desired result? Do you speak the word of God? Or do you speak 
by your fears and your flesh. I'm going to tell you right now, until I get the word of God in me, I'm going to be dominated in those areas. And so, man, I'd read the word of God. I'd read the word of God. I'd read the word of God. And then I'd begin to speak the word. Woo, God, we got to hurry. Go to 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So you, you see Jesus' word. It, it's like Jesus, he gave us a prescription. And on that bottle it said, speak, speak, says, says, says. Get, get in your heart the word of God. Now, this passage of scripture is going to give you some biblical insight. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith, that's 2 Peter 1.11, that we have obtained like precious faith, or faith that's as equal or the same as disciples had, since we have the same spirit of faith, you know what he's telling us there? We have equal standing. You got equal standing. If you're born again, I'm telling you, you got equal faith. So he goes on to say here, and since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, Faith is only a product of what is written according to the Bible. And so when I begin to dig in the word of God and I find out what's written, those scriptures become my title deed. I gotta, it's written, it's written. And, and any time in this book you can find where it's written, you can always tell the devil, it's finished. I, I got the title deed. Based on what is written, now look how Paul ends this. And he said, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. What do we speak? We speak according to what is written. Written. What do we believe? Everything that's written. I, I got to get a hold of the word of God in these areas. I got to stay with it. Now, I'm not going to be able to take you there for time's sake. This goes into the Old Testament to Psalm 116.10. It says the same thing in there. Exactly the same thing. It was a, a, a scripture that was in the Old Testament. And now the Apostle Paul quotes this in the New Testament. Turn just a little bit. Same chapter, or same book, 2 Corinthians. Go with me to verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 20. Second Corinthians 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God, how many? <laughs> all the promises of God, every single one of them, all the promises of God in Jesus are yes. For they find their fulfillment in Jesus, because of Jesus, and in him, amen. Now the Hebrew word for amen means that's right, or may it be so. So we find the written word of God. And we say, oh Lord Jesus in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And whatever that written word is, we end with amen. And so when we say amen, you know what we're saying? So be it. So be it. So be it. 
So when you look at what he's talking about here, I, I got to get to the place where I know what the written word is. I know what those promises are. And I begin to speak those out of, a, out of my mouth as a declaration of faith. I got to speak the word. I, I really like to come off here, but I've been told I can't do that anymore. So I'm going to have to stand up here. Let, let me give you a, a biblical example of how this looked in my life. Many of you have heard some of these stories for years. Uh, when, I, when I was a young boy, I, I had bad problems with walking in my sleep. I had crazy stuff, bizarre stuff. Well, when you, when you start walking in your sleep like that, everybody has a thought. Well, he'll grow out of that. I didn't grow out of it. I get married, and I'm, I'm still walking in my sleep, and I'm telling you, it didn't lessen or get better. It got worse. I mean, it was, I, I, I could write a book on all the stories that took place. And so, man, it began to bother me, and I thought, I know that's not God's will for my life. God created me to have sound sleep. So I began to dig in the Bible. And I begin to say, Lord, show me scriptures, what the word says. Why did I need that? Because faith is based on what's written. And he said, all the promises of God in him are yea and amen. So I knew if I could get biblical proof, I could stand on that, but I could also begin to pray exactly what the word said. So uh, th these, these verses will just roll out of me because most of these I still speak over myself to this day. Proverbs 3.24, uh, Psalms 127.2, Psalms 4 and 8. A good one is uh, Ecclesiastes 5.12. Ecclesiastes 5.12 says, the, the man or woman who labors will have sweet and peaceful sleep. Almost every one of those verses that I just referenced will have in there that the Lord gives his beloved sweet and peaceful sleep. Well, you know what I realized? That's me. I'm his beloved. So I found those scriptures. So guess what? I had the title deed, and I'd say, this is what the word said. So before I'd go to bed, you know what? I'd crawl in bed, and I'd say, whoo, Lord, I thank you. Your word said in Psalms 127, too, that you give your beloved sweet and peaceful sleep. And so I would begin to speak it. I'd speak it, and I'd speak it, and I'd speak it. Nothing happened for a little bit. Nothing. We have the word of God. It just doesn't work. No, the word will work if you'll stay with it. Remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. So I kept hearing. I kept hearing. I said, Woo, Lord, you give your beloved sweet and peaceful sleep. When I lay down tonight, I'll have sweet and peaceful sleep. And I'm telling the word begin to kick in. Begin to kick in. You can ask Shelly this right now. She'll say, if he gets still for 30 seconds, he'll fall asleep. Right now. And so again, it wasn't nothing I did except begin to believe the word of God. And I begin to say, and I'll say what, whatever I have, but I speak to the mountain. And, and don't doubt in his heart, but believe those things he says. He'll have whatever he says. So now, your homework assignment is for you to go into areas of your life. Find what the scriptures say, and then begin to speak it. Remember, remember. Jesus spoke to objects and things, but he also spoke to people. 
Now, again, I, I can't change people's hearts, but I can pray over them. I'm going to end with you a thought here. Two thoughts, maybe. The number one reason that children fail is the words that are spoken over them. The average child will be told no 15 times a day. Over the course of his life, when he becomes 20 years old, he's been told no approximately 18,000 times. No. No, no. Now again, I'm not saying you don't tell them no, but what begins to happen is that begins to shape us all those no's. I, I encourage you, begin to speak over your children the things of God. You can get good grades because Christ will help you. You can do all things through Christ. You're, 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 you're a good boy. You're, you know, a lot of times people have been told, you're bad, you're a bad boy. Well, what happens? I become bad. You're going to be just like your daddy. And that's said in a negative connotation, not a good one. Speak the things of God over your children. Woo, you're successful. You're full of the love of God. You're full of the peace of God. But I begin to figure this out early in my marriage. That if I would begin to pray the, the, the scriptures of Ephesians chapter 5. You can look at it, Ephesians 5 starting in verse 25. The, the Lord Jesus, through the apostle Paul, he challenged husbands. He said, husbands, love your wife like Christ loves the church. I begin to pray that. I begin to say, Father God, teach me to love, to love Shelly like you love the church. Had you always prayed that? No. I used to stomp my feet and say, you got to do something with her, Lord. She's crazy. She's crazy. I'm going to trade her in on a newer model. But I found out even in that area that if I would begin to pray the word of God, Father God, I, I thank you. I love my wife like Christ loves the church. And my wife, she respects me and honors me. Woo, Lord, we, we nourish and we cherish each other. So I found the written word and I begin to speak that. And I begin to speak that and I begin to believe that and I begin to stand on that. And so these are little areas of your life. This is just putting Mark eleven twenty three 23 into practice. Had the God kind of faith. Would you stand up? It's now 8.01 in the central time zone. That means I better quit. Oh, man, I could, I could teach you, tell you a story after. And when I say we, I'm talking about me and Shelly. We've stood on these lines for jobs. We've stood on these lines for homes. I, I, I can tell you just over and over, we just begin to say, this is what we expect that God's going to do because it's based on the word of God. So I end with this thought for you. Whoever will say into the mountain. Whoever will say into the mountain. Ah, let's bow our head and pray. Father, we love you. We give you glory. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for teaching us the God kind of faith. Lord, I pray right now a, a grace on every one of us that we begin to not only hear the word, we heed how we hear, but also, Lord, grace our tongues and our hearts that we believe your word and we speak your word. And I thank you, Father God, over all the saints of God in here right now. I pray your blessings, Lord. I, I thank you that all your promises are yes and amen in you, Christ Jesus, and we give you glory for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.